All right, welcome to the Nitty Gritty. We sit down today with Don Watkins. So much fun. And it, it's funny you say that, and I'm like, who is that? <laughs> yeah. This It's almost like another Becky Pickle one, where you sit down with somebody, just a sweet, super energetic guy, and then you realize he is a boss. Oh, big time. A boss. Big time. So he is in the ADHD family as well, which made me love him <laughs> even more. But this guy has so much energy. I don't even really know how we, def- I mean, you talk about his companies or whatever, like, you know, who is Don Watkins? The ultimate entrepreneur. The ultimate. You know, like, so his story is incredible. I'm not even going to share any right now because I'm yeah. going to make you listen to it. You have to listen to I it. I mean, we'll do, I'm just going to give you two hints. Mouse pad and car air freshener. Yeah. That's all you need to know. And patents. And also. And hustle. And pink ladies. Homeschool, motorhome. Garage. Making his wife. Garbage. Like, hey, we're going to uh, sell stuff out of a motorhome. Like, pack it up. Let's go. With four kids under 10. Oh, my gosh. This guy is awesome. So this is the ultimate entrepreneurial story, which, you know, is really kind of how, why we started this. Yep. I know we kind of go all over the place, but man. This one will not disappoint well, and from I mean, beginning to end. He's been teaching for 15 plus years. And so literally the whole thing, it's almost as if you are sitting in one of his classes because right. he just keeps teaching yep. these different principles that you can apply to anything. He's referring back to business, right. but they, I mean, you can apply them to anything. For sure. And so, yeah, stick with it and you're going to listen to it a couple of times. They'll, probably. Stick, they'll stick with it. I don't... I couldn't stop listening. It I mean, was so fun. We didn't even really talk that much. On this one. <laughs> we didn't need to. We and we didn't need to. Anyway, you're gonna love it. Thanks, guys. Welcome to another episode of Nitty Gritty. We have our good friend Don Watkins with us today. Don, thank you for coming in the cold, nasty weather to come hang out with us. Hey, from St. George. Yeah. Um, I hang out in St. George in the winter, so. Smart. But you know what? For this podcast, <laughs> for Andrew, for Cam, I'm here. I'm here. I mean, you know, I know you had to pay a lot of money to get me here, so. Well, we got to make it worth it, right? <laughs> Cake, sounds good. <laughs> so, Don, I actually met you through my parents, so they've, you guys have been good friends for a while yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Your mom's Sue, Tom, awesome. Great people, of course. And from day one, my mom was like, okay, you got to get done on the podcast. Got to get done on the podcast. And so I'm happy that we finally made this happen. So well, thank, thank, thank you, you for being here. Like I told you, I'm a little concerned. You said a lot of your demographic is uh, women in business. <laughs> and uh, here I am, five foot seven, bald, <laughs> can't see, can't hear. But you know what? I still have something to tell them. So. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> we'll have a good time. So, Don, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Okay, so I grew up in uh, Centerville, Bountiful, till about eighth grade. Then, okay. then my dad worked for IBM, moved to the Bay Area, 65. Well, you guys are all up in heaven messing around, and I'm up in it's third week in San Francisco, Palo Alto, Los Altos. Okay. Grew up in the Bay Area, and about third week out there. Dad took me up to San Francisco right when Haight-Ashbury was just firing up. Kids carrying mattresses across the street. I mean, so that's uh, that's where I grew up. Okay. What did your dad do? Dad was a doctor of educational psychology, worked for IBM, Western State Sales Manager. Okay. So That that was kind of his career out there then. Yeah, his career. We spent one year, my junior year in 
moved to Chicago for a year and then back to the Bay Area. Okay. And then after school, where did you end up going to school? What'd you do? Uh, so I uh, uh, started out with uh, at BYU. Okay. I think my ACT was like 10. <laughs> Is that good? Yeah, that was good for me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> As a matter of fact. I can't keep track of those scores. I don't know what they mean. <laughs> As a matter of fact, this is uh, quite the entrepreneurial story. I think it, you ought to entitle it, If Don Can Do It, Anybody Can Do It. <laughs> Uh, I remember being in eighth grade in Centerville Junior High. True story. No embellishment. If I embellish, I usually give you a hint. <laughs> but uh, most of mine are good enough. But uh, So in eighth grade, Centerville Junior High, my dad, my older brother, a photographic memory, passed CPA exam first time, sister smart, younger brother smart. I come home with very average grades. And this doctor of educational psychology, he was sweet, kind, happy man. When I brought home my grades, it wasn't pretty. It was, it was not pretty. And so uh, that's the only time you really get mad is when I'd come home with these grades. And finally, in eighth grade, I can remember being called down to the principal's office. True story. I go into a, a little uh, room with the counselor that's going to give me an IQ test. True story. Tiny embellishment. <laughs> <laughs> I go home. My dad is no longer mad. He's just sad. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that you know that's kind of that educational background. So really I'm kind of you know I know really there's kind of a classic ADD entrepreneur that lucked out big time. That's me. Because people that know me well, especially my older brother, go, he really isn't very smart. <laughs> but somehow he figures it out and solves the problem and gets the right people on his team. <laughs> They're always smarter than we're always. We are always smarter than we think we are. We've when, just been told our whole life that we're dumb because our grades suck. Right. <laughs> it's true. When did you get, are you actually diagnosed ADD? No, not really diagnosed. Okay. As a matter of fact, I have inter other interesting disorders uh, besides that. And I do tell students, I get the I've been volunteering at BYU or UVU or Dixie for 15 years, but I go find out what your oddities are and turn them into something positive. And so I'm a little ADD, but I'm also, I can be obsessive and I can focus. And when I do, so I'll be talking to the students at BYU or whatever, and I'll say, okay, guys, you, okay, you got your, your ACTs at 30, and your IQs are up there and everything, but this little guy will probably beat you at solving a problem. And, you know, they're kind of like, <laughs> kind of like, this guy's kind of got dementia already. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you a story about that. I learned that I'm a pretty good strategist. Okay. And, and I think that's something, I think that if I was to say something to, to young people is just don't limit yourself. You don't know what you're, right? Right. Very true. You that's don't know what your, right. all your gifts and talents are. Well, and you don't know until you try and fail yeah, and learn. Exactly. Like, like you're yeah. never going to like study your talent and like all of a sudden yeah. be good at it. And, and even, even I get, I probably taught it, but follow your passion. Oh, come on. You don't really even know what it is. Right. You don't know that gift, your talent. You just don't know it. So we kind of gotten away from that. I don't like young college students going, okay, well, I love art, so that's what I'm going to do. Well, you know, we got to get into the mind and the pocketbook of the customer. Yeah. As opposed to your passion better line. Well, but early on, I kind of found out I had some talents and some gifts. And one of them was 
I had been recently married and I was up to BYU and my wife was a dental assistant. <laughs> Second date. I mean, actually it wasn't even a date. I go, do you mind asking if I ask, well, I'm just at her apartment actually. I go, do you mind me asking how much you make? <laughs> <laughs> and the next one was, I wonder, do you mind if I filled out a budget and see if we could live off it? That's what you... Off, I mean, I can't... This girl I married, she's 46 years. She's a, she's a dream. She's golden look. She's everything. And she can't believe she actually married me after all my dumb things I said. But anyway, so anyway, I'm, uh, I'm at BYU. She's working. I'm, I'm BYU, not doing being the best student, of course. And all of a sudden, we go over to her. Uh, I, I, I got to have a job. I look on the BYU board. There's a garbage man job there. I like being outside. I don't like being in classrooms. So I get a job there, and I'm working there a couple weeks. We go down and visit her grandma in Provo, and she says, uh, Don, my, my granddaughter here is uh, working. What do you do? I go, I go to school. She goes, you're not working? I go, no, I work. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, when it hit, that's when it hit me and my wife. I'm a garbage man to my grand. So okay, waste sure. management. What? Waste management. Yeah, waste. Well, sanitation right? engineer. <laughs> oh, sanitation oh, engineer. Yeah. <laughs> sanitation. But here was kind of a. So my wife, I could tell Peggy when we came out of there, she was like, "Oh, I am supporting you, and you got a job <laughs> as a garbage man." And I go, "Honey, you know what? I'm going to be a hospital administrator." I'm not good in in science or you know in zoology and biology, but chemistry. But I like people and I like medicine. I'm going to be a hospital administrator. So, key word, of course, networking. Somehow I knew about that. Right. Uh, you know, kind of a schmoozer. So, so I I find out the administrator. I don't know if you ever heard of Mark Howard. Okay, uh -uh. he was the administrator at, at when it was a small hospital. And he also uh, refereed college football. Oh, wow. Mark Howard, great guy. He's out, lives out in Linden. Terrific guy. So I called him up and said, hey, I want to be a hospital administrator. Can I come down and meet with you? Network. Went down, met with him for half an hour, learned all about it, said that's what I want for me. Now, the second part of network. Hold on, I have yeah. to ask. How did you know how to network at this point? Like, like where did that come from? You know what? It, all of that was just kind of natural. Okay. Because I'm going, hey, I'm, I, I got to get it. I want to I learn about it. I was sincere. I really wanted to know if I wanted to be one. So I was sincere. And I thought, who better than the administrator? Number two, I needed a better job than a garbage man. So I want to work at the hospital. So I go down, meet with Mark for a half hour. Awesome. Very kind. So it's not that you were like networking. You no. just knew... It was these people, you, you realized like the people you needed or wanted to get to know. Yeah. And it seemed kind of common sense to me, you know, uh, now we teach it, you know, a little bit more and how you can do that, how you can network and, and, but it was just natural. It wasn't any scientific on my side. Right. <laughs> and we didn't have an entrepreneurial program at the time. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, went down Mark and, and then I wanted a job. So I said, can I get a job here? He goes, yeah, go down to HR. Well, so, little embellishment. So I'm walking, <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking down the hall and I'm going slow because I know he's seeing this guy is young, passionate, could be good with people, likes medicine, but not a doc, you know, he'll get hired. So I walk in there, I walk into the HR, say, hey, Don Watkins, 
course, drop a little bit. Been talking to Mark Howard, the administrator. <laughs> Had a good chat for half an hour. Again, this is low IQ, but not bad IQ on some other angles. Yeah. So he, so she goes, uh, you know what? What can you do? I go, I don't know. Certainly don't want to haul the garbage and just lie again. So she goes, well, you, we have eight positions for orderlies. And they're all, we have probably, they're all done by pre-med students at Brigham Young University, so they can put it on their resume. So, you know, you, we don't, and there's probably 50 applicants. So there's no jobs here. So that's where I benefit. Because where a lot of people see roadblocks, I go, perfect. So I go home, I obsess, I don't sleep for two nights. That's a sickness at times. Cause that you, is ADHD. Yeah, and it's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes Very you go, annoying. you go. It's called the wormhole. <laughs> it like is that. the wormhole. Oh man, I like that. Yeah, hyper focus. Yeah, I, I focus. You know, uh, my brother, and my wife, somebody, don't bug him right now. He's in his world. You know what I mean, Cam. So anyway, I focus and I brainstorm and I obsess. I walk into the hospital three days later. And back then, guys, there was uh, what we called pink ladies. There was ladies, older ladies that were volunteers that would sit there and they'd help you find a room. I walked up to them. I said, hi, sisters, I'd like to be a pink lady. <laughs> and they go, oh, he's cute. That's cute. <laughs> I go, no, seriously, I'd like to do a pink, be a pink lady. Is there anything I could do? They go, yeah, you can deliver the flowers. Perfect. I'll deliver the flowers. Third day of delivering the flowers to Mrs. Butler in the operating room. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm a young, passionate young man, hard worker. I like people and I want to be a hospital administrator. And I'm going to volunteer here until someone can hire me. She goes, you're hired. Wow. I worked there for a year and a half. $2.37. <laughs> worked my way up to... So surgery prep. Wow. So what did you find in your research that led you to believe that that was going to be the right path? It, you know what, uh, Andrew, just common sense for me. In other words, and I've taught this a lot to students. I go, you know what? The best advice I think I could give any students would be find out what your gifts and talents are, get some good experience, find out what you really want to do, find out where you want to work, and go there and say you want to work for free. Take that risk away from them. Right. If you're great. So I, I had an MBA student come to me years later and said, took your class, Don, I heard you say that. I'm an industrial design product guy. I'll work for free. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> He turned out being awesome. <laughs> <laughs> How many students have done have done that to you? Not, not I. You know that's that's the one I stand out. But yeah. I've certainly had my sons. I've had some children, and other people come and say it sure worked great for them. Okay, but working for me, that was the one that kind of sure stood out. Sure. So you go through the hospital. Then what happens next? Well, we we go through the hospital, and again, school's kind of tough. I'm making two thirty seven. And I'm go someone says, you ought to sell some real estate. So I go, well, that sounds fun. So I, I got a job up at Quail Valley Realty. It's up above Timview High, it used to be, when they developed those hillsides. Mm -hmm. So I went up there, we had a trailer up there, and I got a job, and I worked three weeks. I was just doing uh, working at the hospital, summer, doing some summer school work. Nobody's coming in. Finally, some uh, Robert Driggs ended up becoming a vice president at BYU, walked in, went over and sold him a townhome, $1,700 commission. That's for me. <laughs> 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 I 
I ended up. Uh, That's a lot of two thirty-seven <laughs> hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But started doing real estate, and then all of a sudden I was selling lots up there. And you know what? It was kind of like now. Who couldn't make money in real estate right now? You know what I mean? Right. And so all of a sudden I'm 27, 28 going, hey, 30, 30. Now, now who be 30 and be a millionaire now is like being worth a thousand bucks <laughs> now. <laughs> true. I mean, back then it was a big deal. So yeah. I thought, oh man, I'm, I'm on my way here. And I'm, I had, I'm really good at listening. Believe it or not, I'm talking my head off, but I'm really good at listening what the customer wants. I'm really good at that. And so when people- Why? Because I could make more money. <laughs> Remember I said, key is getting in the pocketbook and the mind of the customer. <laughs> but I want to please them. Yeah. I, I want to thrill them. Yeah. I want to exceed their expectations. And so in real estate, they'd come up and I'd find the best lots that were left and I'd sell them a lot. I had a fellow, I have had terrific mentors and I pay attention to them. And I had Bill... Critch, not Bill Critchfield, I'll tell you about Bill Critchfield, but uh, Carl Spurell from Lake Arrowhead, California, come up. He bought two lots from me. And he goes, guess what? You're going to build the spec homes. <laughs> I'm an orderly. <laughs> <laughs> I go, I don't, he goes, no, I got the house plans. Here's how you do it. You're going to get a framer that has a contractor's license. You're going, I can tell you, learn pretty quick. We'll line up a sub list and you'll be able to build a home. And long story short, I got really good at that. We built a lot of nice homes up there. I joined with a fellow, Bill Critchfield. I'm not sure if Bill's still around. I'm one of Donnie Osmond's homes he bought from us up on Sherwood Hills. Wow. Uh, I don't think he knows I built it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he knows his friend Bill. And so we built a lot of homes, killing it. I started my own real estate company up there on Edgemont, where there's a pharmacy called Liberty Real Estate Construction. My brother that was a controller in San Francisco, six years older, photographic memory, tell people I'm not that smart, ask if he can come back and go into business. So we, we start building a lot of homes, spec homes, sold real estate, uh, started to do a big, I built a home out in Alpine and uh, got one more big development to do out in Bountiful, Sunset Hills. My dad comes to me. He, was, he hadn't bugged me much about the educational problems ever since when, I, when he found out I wasn't that smart. And he didn't, he was a terrific father. But he came to me and he said, son, you have, you're a good father. You're a good husband. You're a good deacon's quorum advisor. And you got way too much debt. I said, oh. Dad, you're living in the 40s, pal. <laughs> you're living in the depression. I go, one more big deal, and I'll have that three mortgages on that big house paid off. I'll uh, pay off my boats. Boat. I didn't have more than one boat. <laughs> pay off. Yeah, I had five cruisers. No. I had one boat. Uh, I'll pay it all off, and I'll still have 500000 worth of uh, liquidity to invest, and I won't do so much debt. Two years later, interest rates 22% short term. Mortgage rates 14, 15. All our developments stopped. I was very blessed to sell that home with three mortgages and then to uh, not go bankrupt, but have nothing and move into a rental with four kids at 30 years age, 30 years of age. I'm 30 years of age, four kids. And that rental stuck a stunk of cat urine. That's and I married 
a woman that I went to her because a couple of her old boyfriends are studs now making millions. Here we got nothing. That's why I say, you entrepreneurial women or men, whatever, be patient, be open. So I go to her and I go, looks like you married a loser. She says, I'm not worried about you. We'll be fine. See, her dad was grown up. She grew up, her dad was a social worker. Right. Awesome man. Money was nice, but it didn't really matter to her. Wow. So that's, uh, so then... I'm just doing all the talking like crazy. Well, that's you're the guest. This is awesome. So, I mean, you had built this unbelievable empire. To well, it was no empire, but it was a good real estate company. Pretty good. I liked that it started as a pink lady. Or <laughs> <laughs> a garbage almost, man. And, and, right? I mean, you, I still like the pink lady better than the garbage man. Because, <laughs> you know, that's kind of a typical college kid type yeah. job, you know? Yeah. But this is such a... It's so funny how... So I talk about ADHD a lot, you know, I read about it a lot. I'm diagnosed with it, but one of my buddies wrote a book who he's a motivational speaker and he titles book CEOs or convicts. And it's just kind of like one or the other, you know, and it's so, it's so funny how you can just see with such an active mind, how it could go the other way without direction. But the problem solving thing, it, it's funny how you don't realize how smart that is until years down the road. Like going in and asking to be a pink lady. It's just like... To oh. your point, it's common sense to you, not to anybody else. Right. Yeah, I, I'm kind of lucky that way. I rip on myself IQ because really my reading comprehension, I can read anything. Well, that's Yesterday, just... I don't remember it today. Right. It yeah. was good. It felt good. <laughs> Has anybody I... really never talked to you about actually having ADHD? You would be like the king of this. <laughs> like it's the greatest story because like you would have been great at reading comprehension if you were interested in it, right? And it's like Yeah. It it it's funny like those two could, days that you were reading and studying to become a pink lady, you remembered that stuff. I wasn't reading and studying. <laughs> See? <laughs> I was thinking, 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 thinking. What next? What is that? I wasn't reading and studying, but sorry, try as you will. <laughs> Well, but but it's interesting, Cam, with you, <laughs> right? That you're very focused on this business, right? So 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 sometimes you get labeled ADD. You can't sit still. You can't do anything. And obviously, this is yeah. A very if you're in, if you're interested in it, nobody will do yeah. do it, it better a than superpower. you. Superpower. And, yeah. and it and it and it really is. Even the, like memory. That's a totally well-documented thing that people with ADHD just have horrible memories. It's just a part of the brain that just doesn't yeah. work. But it's great because if I really like like a Netflix series, I can watch it a year later and it'll be brand new again. <laughs> you know what? Hey, I can top that one. My grandkids, boys or girl, they're all bud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this gives hope to you folks. You, you, if you got a high IQ and you're, you're a top chemist or whatever, hallelujah. For you sure. Got, you got it. But if, you're, if you don't have that gift, you might have some others. And that, you know, and you well, got to watch for them. It doesn't matter how, if you can hustle and work and that's the other thing is we don't assess risk like other people do. So we just see what we want and we don't, there's no like, yeah, I'm going to be a pink lady. Like, why wouldn't I do that? I want to be a hospital. But it just was second nature. And it's just so cool to hear these stories because it's fun to have these studies come out the last five or so years where finally people are realizing like for all of our lives, we've got, you know, 
people with ADHD that have just been told they'll never amount to a thing because of what their report card says. Yeah. You know, you know or their IQ test. Yeah. Now, the other one of mine I mentioned is obsessiveness. Right. Well, you know what? After I was in business 20 years, I bought two, I ended up with two tractors, but at three o'clock, I have to go and work on my farm. I like to. Right. But if there's any chance of sleeping that night, I got to leave work and let her be. And start something to relax and starting right. to, you know, so I've had to learn skills because otherwise it can, I mean, to an nth degree, it can be bipolar or something where you're just, <laughs> right. so, you know, but the point is, is I, everybody's got their gifts and talents. 100%. And, and they can be molded, molded and right. changed. Well, and I think that so many people can learn from that, especially nowadays. I feel like so many we hear the word entitlement a lot recently. And it's like, how many kids out there would be willing to just go and get their foot in the door any any way they could, even if it was for free? It's almost like there's an expectation. And you will never, ever... If you can learn to sell something or if you can learn to walk sell into the sell? hospital and be a pink lady if that like if your pride will allow you to do that you are going to go so much further than yeah. anybody else and, and you know you have i speak to students one of the biggest problems in entrepreneurship i go if you're a perfectionist ooh, <laughs> right 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 that's a problem for sure you know uh, paralysis by analysis yep. by you know never testing it and you know meetings well, yeah oh yeah meetings yeah no that's <laughs> <laughs> all i think about when i hear that and knocking doors on your mission yeah just don't do it you can hey, do you can do better hey, hey speaking of we're in we're in provo so it's pretty good plot to throw in some mission right how, how about this little strategy so <laughs> so i'm making up i'm in alaska british columbia i mean our mission stretches like here to, to new york wow and uh, so i'm in charge of setting up this traveling display because I chat, and uh, <laughs> you didn't know that. But anyway, I set up this display where we're in a van, uh-huh. and we're going to travel from Vancouver, British Columbia, all the way up British Columbia, all the way over to the uh, Prince Rupert, catch a ferry, go up to Anchorage, go out to Kodiak Island. It's going to take four months. <laughs> the Lord actually, that sounds so fun. It sounds the Lord, so the fun. Lord has The Lord has his strategy. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't stand my companion. Oh, oh. <laughs> and he said, he was great. He was better than me. But I, I just, we just, I think on the Alaska highway for three days, we said three sentences. Right. It had been too fun. I can see where Cam's going. Yep. That would have, that would have been far too fun. But here's what I did. This is, yeah, my mission present still alive. <laughs> So I, I set this up. I told all the missionaries are spread out. I go, we'll be in your town on this day. And then two more days later, we'll be here. We don't want to impact the elders and take their food and their lodging because they don't have any. Right. So if you'd set us up at a member's house every third day on the trip, I, I got like a turkey dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I got a nice bed set up. I got it anyway. See, Strat, it's common sense to me. I don't want to impact those poor elders. Oh, that's so good. So now you're living in this rental. I'm a failure now. In your mind, you're a failure. You just apologized to your wife. Yep. Told that she married a loser. Yep. Where do you go from there? Obviously, I can tell your brain doesn't stop. So it's not, I mean, at any point, thinking, thinking for three days, then I'm done. Okay. Now move on. 
So that's so you had three days where you allowed yourself to kind of yeah. feel sorry for yourself. Yeah. yeah. Why and, does this happen to me? I paid my tithing. Why does this happen to me? Yeah. Then what? So then I go back to start selling some real estate for somebody else. Okay. And so I, you're going to rebuild. That's the idea. Uh, I don't. I, I got bored of real estate. I didn't love it. That okay. part of it. Uh, Did you get bored before everything happened? Uh, yeah, and that's why I got the real estate construction development. I I liked selling houses for a while, but then I got tired of that and liked my business. Okay. So now I'm back selling real estate to make some money while I figure this out. Long story sh- shorter, I hope is I knew one of the things I teach students is talk is cheap. I love, I'll use whatever religion they are, but uh, even Muslims, I say the Old Testament, but by their fruits you shall know them. I don't go by a lot of talk. And on my mission, there was a guy named Gary Deaton, and we got to be good friends, and he blew me away with what he produced, diligence, hard work, uh, passionate, very organized, a little opposite of me, (laughs) Uh, very, uh, very just... We're both passionate and sales and different things, but he had gifts I didn't have, and I have a few that maybe he didn't have. He had a little more stability. He worked for AT&T and uh, was really growing up fast. And he goes, Don, I'm headed to New York, I'm sure, with AT&T. I don't want to move. So let's do something together. I go, your buddy just had a failure. I'm a loser. You got a big job. And he goes, I know. My dad says I'm an idiot for leaving corporate and go being in business you know, and doing something. But so, would you guys stayed in touch? We stayed all, close I mean, touch all that that's time. That's almost ten years. Ten after. years. Yep. Good friends. Okay. Yeah. Good friends. Stayed in touch, and not a lot, but pretty much. Yeah. But he would just say, "No, I." He always would say, "I kind of want to go in business with you." And uh, so, finally, we. Uh, it's too long of a story. I'm going to cut that little part out, but. We had a, I talk, we talked to students, we, you know, at BYU, UVU, everywhere, we talk about MVP, minimum viable product. And so through a process of kind of getting taken advantage of on a, on a multi-level computer deal, we learned that uh, we thought we should get a commission on making dust covers. It was a company making dust covers for computers. It was perfect timing, 1983, the advent of the PC. And someone said, well, why don't you make, uh, this company's making dust covers for computers. Why don't you guys? How did you get into that space? I mean. Well, then I'll tell you a little more of the story then. Because <laughs> I was going to say. I mean, to go from real estate and yeah. I mean, to computer yeah. covers. And it's kind of a little like uh, Gail Miller's looking over at Larry and going, why are you laughing? He goes, oh, man, I just love business. See, I love business. Right. Uh, I don't. You know, I loved the construction, but I loved a profitable business. Well, what happened was, is I think there's. I've really become a proponent of multi-level sales. I think it's great. I think now we got such problems with retail, big block. And, when you say multi-level sales, what do you mean? Oh, I mean direct sales. Okay. I'm sorry. New skin. New skin. I mean, terrible life. You know, it. they kind of. Early on, years and years ago, they'd get a pretty good rip. But now I'm going, hey, if if on the internet, I have an internet business, but now advertising's so expensive and everything that I'm not opposed to if someone wants to sell something that's a vi- that's good, right. then I'm fine with it. That To me, that's the key. Well, I was selling real estate, and Gary had someone in his neighborhood that was selling computer covers for, again, this is 
generations old, Commodore and Atari, and little, wow. little home computers. And he was selling dust covers. I had an in for Texas Instruments. So I got the royalty. Long story short, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to if anybody's kids or But I felt we kind of got screwed on a commission deal. So we go, well, can't we make dust covers? Me and Gary? He hadn't left his job. So we go to a fabric shop. I mean, we're so brilliant. I mean, isn't that brilliant? It's very brilliant. We walk through there. All of a sudden, we see vinyl. Have you seen the scripture totes? We got into that. We made a ton of those, by the way. But, but anyway, we got into those dust covers. We went to L.A., uh, Intex Plastics. We saw inside. It said Intex Plastics. We're the manufacturer. Went there. Guy comes out. Don Garrison, an older man, says, what? Can, and, and Gary's on a vacation day. I've driven down in this old Cadillac, you know, and we're in there and Don Garrison, this old man comes out and again, teaches me, be nice to people. This Don Garrison was so nice to us. Here we walk in, we go, hey, we want to make dust covers. Well, we're in a big fact manufacturing plant for Intex Plaxis. They only want to deal with people that are going to buy a hundred grand worth of stuff. We're going, we want to make dust covers. <laughs> he goes, who's going to sell them? We go, we don't know. <laughs> He goes, okay, I like you too. I'm going to take you down to Lee's Wrapping, a Korean friend, and uh, we'll go in there, and he, he sews for everybody, strolly car seats, Fenwick fishing poles. We go in, long story short, Lee likes us and says, I'll make you dust covers. You got a pattern? No. Well, let's go over to an Apple store. We go over there, Macintosh, and we get these big heavy dust covers, and we make them, long story short. He st so then we have the pro sample. So then I just want to, teach along the way is mvp we package it up it's cheap we know what it'll take to make in volume so we can figure out our margins i'm good in budgeting so that part kind of came naturally so we figured it out we could make them for two dollars ship them over the weekends from la our covers but anyway we made a few small samples of the macintosh we go into three apple stores in salt lake and said listen we want you to to, we want these for, give you for free, like working for free. Right. They're free. We're going to give you 15 of them. We're gonna, but we'd like you to sell them for $10. If they go well, we'll sell them to you in the future for five. We can make them for two, and we got the margins. It's great. No problem. They sold well at all three. We go on hot dog, minimum viable product. We got proof of an opportunity. It's not totally innovative. It's kind of copy. It's kind of an angle. I teach students, quit. if you're an innovator, then go be an innovator. I don't see that as an entrepreneur. Oppor entrepreneurs are opportunists. And then have a little angle. Fair enough? Yeah, for sure. So they sold well. So that's when I went home and said, honey, Peggy, how would you like to leave Utah in the wintertime? We buy a new motorhome. I love how he's always selling <laughs> in the wintertime. Hey. You have to throw that in there, right? <laughs> oh, hey, it wasn't just, Cam, it wasn't just winter. It was right. Geneva, oh, and boy. it's fog, yeah. and you can't see. And anyway, I said, hey, we get a brand new, we get out of this rental, we get a brand new motorhome, 34-foot south wind, don't have a Mercedes anymore, and it was a diesel. <laughs> and we'll put this little Subaru behind it, and we'll put the four kids in the motorhome, and we're going to go to Arizona. Then we're going to go to California. I'm going to set you up behind a church. You teach the kids school in the morning and let them go in the big wheel in the afternoon. Are you guys still married? 
hey, she's pretty happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> she's, I mean, she's, she's a saint. She's a saint. Any woman married to people like us are saints. She is a saint. She is heavenly. She's totally different than me. She's an introvert. Right. She's very quiet. She'll often say, I, yeah, there are lots of times I wonder how we did get married <laughs> and how I, how I do do this. But no, I really love you and you're great and we have seven kids and it's great. Oh, yeah. So we go to, I mean, first night in Page, blizzard. I'm there next to <laughs> Zion's Bank and it's like the heater's going and we're stuck there. So you left to sell these dust covers in the middle of winter i'm loaded up with dust covers gary deaton oh that's a good story he's a, <laughs> he's at at&t still yeah uh no no okay. no but right i go he keeps saying he keeps putting it off he's got a secure job right i mean he's making scared. 70 grand a year 50 40 years ago Sheesh. i mean he was killing it yeah and uh finally i said i'm starting this business without you because you're not leaving he goes, no, I'm leaving. Come up today at noon. So I go up to the AT&T office at noon, and I'm sitting there. He comes out. He looks white as a ghost. And he goes, I did it. And I go, you didn't. I was just kidding. <laughs> I was just kidding. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Gary is amazing. Have we still got more time? We got we all the time, time in the world. No, brother. I'm, I'm just sure. trying to fix the air conditioning right now because okay. it won't turn off. And okay. if I'm starting to get a well, slight least. chill, then it's cold. Well, at least we're having fun. I'm sure everybody yeah, else has probably turned it off. I am probably the young ladies. I don't know. Anyway, oh. but listen to this wife of mine. Come on, hang in there. That's what it is. It's for you women that aren't entrepreneurs that hang in with ADD entrepreneurs. So, <laughs> so anyway, I go to Arizona, set her up behind a church. And that I'm so lucky on the channels of distribution for computers because it's no big uh, chains. It's hundreds of com uh, computer lands, business lands, little dealers. And so I, I can just go into them and most of them I try to close the sale. If not, I'll give them on a guaranteed sale because I know they'll sell. And so we're, we're going through, we go to San Clemente, we set them up in the park there. That was better than the church. And then uh, go up to San Francisco, and all of a sudden my partner calls, and he, he, here he is, a top 18 salespeople person, and he goes in, and he's making patterns to send to Lee, you know? And then he's operations, he's answering the phone, payables, receivables. I mean, he's, he, <laughs> he's, we got a couple of wonderful gals that are working for us, but we're just in a dinky hole, and he's getting the product made, and I'm out selling it, and then... He calls me one day on the road and goes, hey, I was in measuring a Mac, and did you see that little, they call it a mouse. Did you see the little mouse on a pad? And I go, yeah, I've seen that. And he goes, well, how hard can it be to make those? Now, we didn't have the internet back those days. We barely had cars, you know. And uh, <laughs> did have a nice motorhome, though. Uh, <laughs> So we didn't have the internet, so we go to the library and we look up rubber companies because what does the old mouse mat, what does it look like? Yeah. Just like the little Pe square. A piece pad. of rubber. Yeah, yeah, a piece of rubber. Yeah. Looks like uh, scuba gear. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Neoprene, so we, like we look up. <clears throat> yeah. We find out there's a company called uh, Grondike in New York, makes all sorts of rubber. We call them up. We go, hey. How, okay. How did you find that? To your point. 
you can't just jump on Google. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, no. like I went to the University of Google. Like, how did you find these people well, in New York? Well, obviously, I can't read. <laughs> But my partner is really bright. He's really detailed. So, no, I mean, you know, it was, I can't remember. It's too many years. But but scuba gear, you just can kind of like we did on the fabric. He just, but we got, I think somehow there was these massive 30 books in a library. I forgot what they're called. And it was kind of our internet where you could find out where rubber companies were. You find out it's rubber. And so we called up and got Grondike, and they said, well, we make all sorts. And we told them what we wanted and sent them samples. They sent it out to us. And uh, we go, well, it's going to be a little hard cutting these out with scissors. (laughs) (laughs) We find out uh, a uh, a die cutting machine is 150 grand. We never, we saved, we, we could go on a shoestring because we subbed out everything. Right. And strategic partners. And it worked great. I still believe in it. Well, Belter Steel Rule in Salt Lake says we can cut them out for 12 cents a piece. So the rolls get sent to them. Then we sent it uh, out to the customer. And it just started to, the mouse mats is what really blew up. I, there's probably a thousand companies in the world that make mouse mats. We're the second ever to do it. Mouse Tracks was the first out of San Francisco. And somehow they made a big heavy one. We, we've probably have the greatest partners, product developers and everything, but we've, we're the second company, but we own it. I mean, we probably 80 million mouse mats. So if you go into most stores today, and, and of every You invented type, the mouse pad. We did not invent the mouse pad. We copied. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have a patent on it. Right. And we copied. Now- To your point about innovators yeah, and entrepreneurs. Yeah. You I don't mean, have to be the first yeah, to the market. Innovating. I mean, they still did it their own way, and- they realized it wasn't patented, so it's like yeah, that's I, opportunity. I kind of view it as a spectrum, a little bit like a, or on a, a copy, super invention, and then I like to stay in this angle, right, right, right. something that someone's already done, and then you make it a little better. I kind of think it's the American way. Well, isn't sure. that really what invention? I mean, not every invention is completely new. No. You know. What's the, why can't I think of the term? Reinventing the wheel. Yeah. Right? It's just making it better, just using that, a better yeah. material or yeah, if you have a patent, improving on it. If you have a patent, fine. Right. But that's great. But if you don't, and you know, you just say, how can I do this a little bit better than, right. than the last So you person. left to sell dust guards. And dust covers. Dust covers. And shortly into the trip, discovered the idea about creating the mouse pad. So did you stop doing the desk covers altogether and no, just focus no, on the that, mouse pads? That, no, that, no. We became then a computer accessory company. Okay. So we started to, mouse mats would be the flagship. And then um, we got into uh, some laptop cases, not heavy, Targus kind of owned that market, but uh, keyboard skins, uh, document holders, all sorts of computer accessories. So we became a pretty good market uh manufacturer for computer accessories and continued that on for how long were you on the road i was only on the road Uh, again teach students you know ideally start in a market that's in its infancy i'll show you how that's completely opposite to my best business (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but i was on the road about three months because i learned there was something called Trade shows. 
<laughs> I didn't know what a trade show. A little more efficient. Yeah, yeah. a little more efficient right. and independent uh, reps that would not charge a salary but work on commission. So my wife, when we came back through Utah two or three months later, I said, we're not going east. We have a better way to sell. And she was actually very disappointed. Really? Yeah. She was loving it. She liked being on the road, huh? Yeah, she loved it. Interesting. Yeah. We were having a great time. With four kids? Yeah, four kids. What were their ages when you did that? (laughs) Oh, they were probably eight to two or something. Good But But listen, just last night I was telling (laughs) friends of Sue and I, I was saying, we would be going down the freeway at night and I'm, it's 10 o'clock and I'm driving my wife's doing, yo- uh, not yoga, uh, what do you call the... Aerobics? Aerobics. In the middle of the motorhome. Jane Fonda little, tape. Yeah, little yeah. leotards look pretty good to me. Uh, <laughs> in the rear view mirror. She doesn't listen to my radio stuff, so I'm okay. Uh, but the four kids, I'm not kidding you, they are in the back, the door's shut, they're asleep, and I constantly are telling her, you go check. Did they go out the window? I mean, you know, you just, you go, Person. where are they? Because they're they're active and they're goers. They're probably more like six to, you know, whatever. Right. And so, yeah. So, but it was a great, it, I got pictures of it. It was cool. Holy cow. Wow. That's wild. Wild. See, you wonder how much the internet has hurt us as well. I mean, it's obviously helped us more than it's hurt us, but stuff like that. Taking out some of the hustle, even even going to the library to look up the businesses, like nothing is easy. But isn't that a kind of a blessing, you know? Because you really have to work for it, and and that does give you a way to kind of you know helps the cream rise to the top. Like who's willing to do it? And now it's just so easy. I mean, it's different with every well, area with every era, but yeah, uh, Cam. Um, what I teach is. When we have students in entrepreneurship, it's like, okay, how are we going to make a million bucks? Don, you're going to make yeah. me a million bucks tomorrow. And, you know, I was, I was up teaching at BYU at the dot-com, where finally they would say to me and some of the other professors, the guys who were teaching, I only teach one day a week up there, or one class from work, because I had my own business. Do you realize how funny it is that you teach? <laughs> have you ever thought about that? Like, I love it. You know what? <laughs> I love you it. You know what? That's... Again, because we're in Provo. <laughs> I know this worldwide, but because we're in Provo, my patriarchal blessing says I will have a high academic education. Wow. Now, I'm going, I'm a loser <laughs> because I ain't ever going to have a high academic education. In reality, now at 68 years old, I've been in the classroom. I, I finally got a degree. I tell the, <laughs> I tell these stories. You gotta watch and the then YouTube I, version of this, people. Hey, I tell these stories, but then I forget where I was going. That's what, so help me out here, right? But now, where was I going to go over here, though? Um, you were teaching. Being a teacher, I know I was a teacher. Oh, so anyway, I uh, I'm going. Well, it took. It took oh, I know where I was going. Um, it took me. What's the easiest? Come on. What is the easiest degree at BYU to get? Is it communications? Yes. Yeah. I got one easier than that. <laughs> no kidding. Basket weaving. No. No. Remember, I was going to be a hospital administrator. Oh. So I told the 
col- I told the college, I told my wife, hey, I'm going to be a hospital administrator. I need business. And I liked a little business. Industrial relations, organizational behaviors. I made my own course up. And they let me go for it. Well, of course is, is that did. real? <laughs> huh? Is that real? It's real. You made your own major. Yeah. And it's called, and it's the worst major you could ever hear, university studies. <laughs> and, and I was 16 credits. My younger brother, they're all smarties, okay? They're all real smarties. My younger brother, eight years younger than me. All of a sudden, I haven't graduated, and he's graduating in business at BYU this coming next time. I have to hurry and finish. The only way I can hurry and finish, I got 16 more hours to do. That's totally legitimate. But I go, hey, give me credit for working at the hospital and doing all this other stuff. So I got 16 hours of credit. (laughs) And I graduated. I graduated in the morning. The little brother, eight years younger, graduated in the afternoon. (laughs) I beat him. This sounds like my senior year of high school. The amount of wheeling and dealing I did with counselors and changing classes and getting people to stay after so I could make all this stuff up and graduate. I found out I was graduating high school at 3 p.m. on graduation day. Yeah. And that was the, that capped off a six month cleaning bathrooms in the morning, (laughs) like all these just anyway, but you forget like that. There's such a lesson in that. You know what I mean? And it's just communication. Yeah. People want to help you. You just have to go. And talk to him. Yeah, exactly. That is such a cool story. Oh my god! You, you know, so but but so back. To, so all of a sudden, I'm looking. I mean, the last four years, I was one class a week at U at BYU for eight years while I had my business. And ha- and usually, what I do is come in like you guys. I'd have an entrepreneur come in, and then I'd interview and make sure they're connecting with the students. So I've learned a ton from these guys. Then I go down to UVU. They don't have a program. And Norm Wright's awesome, a dean at the business school. And I'm volunteering there for a couple of weeks, for two days a week. Have a great time there. But then I want to live in St. George in the winter. And, and so then I go down to Dixie. That you was still owed your wife from uh, saying, let's get out of wintertime. Yeah, but you <laughs> know. The motor home. But now I got all the kids that live in Alpine area, right, all right. the grandkids. She's not all that excited. But I go... Look, I got to give back. I got to help. So anyway, so I'm, I teach with two awesome professors, young guys that have their own businesses. They're, they're, we want experiential learning, right? Enough of this. I mean, BYU is saying we've got to move to more experiential learning. So our, our entrepreneurial course is all about building a business and a pitch. But what I'm kind of tough on the students uh, with, and back to our in the uh, bootstrapping or into the trenches and learning, not get rich quick, right. is I'm going, they're, they're coming up with me and, and they have to kind of get past me on their idea. And I'm, I'm, I did this kind of mean for a while. At VUVU, they'd come in with all their ideas and I'd put out my uh, jar of dimes and i go, good, take one. They're a dime a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was the first person to get fired as a volunteer. <laughs> no, I got rid of that after a while because it was a little mean. But, but it's kind of true, right? Ideas are a dime a dozen, right? It's all in the diligence. It's all, it's the, execution. all in the, the execution. Yep. And so down at, uh, at, at Dixie, I'm pretty hard on saying, number one, this isn't about your idea this is about the customer 
pocketbook. That's what it is. It's not about you. And because I have a, a, well, I have someone close to me that's a design engineer, and that's all they do is design things and go, wow. And I go, good. Tell me what the customer said. Right. Well, they'll, they'll love it. I go, well, they'll love it. Prove it to me. But anyway, what I do is I go, if you've got a fabulous idea, that's great. Save it. Not for this class. I want you to have an idea that you can execute. If it's car, if it's car detailing, if it's window washing, if it's a new way to copy a business in Salt Lake that you can do, I want you doing it because then you'll learn through the process. If you come up with the latest app that you that's cool, but you don't have any resources to do it, right. you're not going to learn much from the course. So it's a very... You know, so I just think that in the trenches, if I learned what I learned in real estate, prepared me to tackle whatever problems I can come up with. If I can't figure it out myself, then most of the people, again, my brother would say, again, he's not that smart, but somehow he finds the opportunity and then somehow he motivates people to come and and help with that problem. Wow. So... We kind of skipped over some of the success that you've had. I know you probably don't like talking about it, but... Oh, I do. I'm killer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm... Geez. But I've got some dandy failures. You haven't heard a few... I could give you a few more. Everyone's adults, but... got a ton of those, right? But you get home, you start having some success selling I... the mouse tracks, the dust, you know, all yep. of this kind of stuff. So what did that business grow into? How long did that business last? Sure. Did you transition to, I mean, because you keep talking about you were running other businesses. Did yeah. you transition to others or did did you run that, sell it, get out and be done? That's good. Thank you, Andrew. So, so at that point in time, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't care about making a ton of money. I, I wanted at first to make three grand a month. And then we just kept working harder and harder and having more success. Always running scared. Always a little worried. We're, you know, we go, how? Mouse mats, that's going to last five years. <laughs> Lasted 30. <laughs> I, right. mean, I mean, but, oh, I got to tell you a failure on the mouse mat. Okay. So after about, so we got all these accessories. We're, we're growing at 15, 20% a year. Uh, have more and more great people more diversified. We're, we're just doing great. Uh, it's great. And matter of fact, now I've got another big, excuse me, houseboat. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty big. <laughs> Pretty big boat. Pretty big boat, you know. Alan Ashton's one of my partners on, on the boat. You know, hobnobbing a little bit. Alan, though, what great mentors. Just humble. Humble and teachable and no arrogance at all. Real quick, how did you find your mentors? Because I think that's one of the I think that's one of the things people always want. And I think it's probably the hardest thing to do, or at least people will go about it the wrong way. I'll never forget we had a guest, Richie Norton, said, Never tell someone you want to pick their brain because that's what zombies do. He's like, don't call somebody up Gosh, and say, that's brilliant. hey, I, I want to pick your brain. Like, what value are you creating for that person? So I think so many people are just like, oh, if I ask them for time, they're successful. They should just give me their time, right? And so I think it's really important to find a mentor because I've had a handful that have been like life-changing and they'll, they'll change the direction that you go. But I think it's harder to find than people, especially kids now. I don't think they understand how to do that. And so if you were to give someone an advice on how to find a mentor, what would you tell them? I probably would say, I'd first say a little bit, I'm kind of a little, the, 
the uh, oh, boot camp guy. Uh, what's that guy called that's running the boot camp? I don't know. The sergeant. So I'm a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. No, drill, drill sergeant. Drill, drill sergeant. Yeah. So I'm a right. little okay. bit like, I don't want you wasting that mentor's time if you're not serious. Yeah. So what are you serious about? I like to see, I tell the students I'm a generalist. That means people in business will come to me often or students will and say, I got this problem. And then, I, but, but students, I'll say, I'm a generalist. So I'll say generally, okay, for example, Don, hey, I want to start a restaurant business. Okay, I'm the qualifier to get to CAM. So I go, okay, show me what you're doing, what experience you have. You work for anyone? No. Why don't you go work for someone before we get you with CAM? <laughs> or, right. or I can get you to CAM. But a lot of mentors, either I find they aren't going to give the time. Uh-huh. They're too busy, which is not nice. <laughs> or, or pay dividends, as I'll tell you in a minute. Or, they're just, or the mentor does, isn't experienced, the person with experience. And so it's a challenge. So what I do pretty good at is pre-qualify them. And then I'll go, now, let's see if I can talk to Cam and say, you've done this, this, and this. Now I think you're ready for him. That way, both are having a good experience. We'll get, we'll get college people that come in and say, hey, I want to be, a, I wanna be a, I, I want, I'm alumni, I'm older, I want to be a part of this. And I tell them, it's not that easy. You know, you, you got to stay relevant. And, sure. and, and so it, it's not easy. So I, I didn't answer you very well. But I just think in my case, I was diligent. In my case, early on, one of our mentors was Lou Coford. Lou Coford owned Covenant uh, Recording uh, and what Bookcraft later bought or whatever. And that did very well and sold it. But we'd go to him because that was up our alley. Yeah. That, w that was an expert in our alley. But I'm always kind of, I like people, and I'm fascinated by people, and if they're a good business person, I like business, so yeah. I don't know. I didn't answer that very good, sorry. Nope, that's good. I mean, I think one of it is just like the authenticity and being genuine, think, right? Like genuinely liking people. Yeah. I think people can feel like you're not, how do you say it? Even though you were just showing up and asking for help, they didn't ever felt like you were just trying to take. I feel people actively want to help people that they see are, are putting in the work. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. For sure. I agree. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're working your butt off. It, like my mentor in Texas, you know, the guy who kind of taught me restaurant barbecue. I mean, he called me like I never really reached out. I never reached out to him for a job or he just liked me and saw that I was hustling and wanted to help me out. We got to nail that. What's that? I just want to add emphasis to what you just said. So I'll tell the students, I don't care what you're doing. You do it good until you decide to do something else. Because I'm, I've, I've invested with some kids down there. I, do, I help kids get jobs, but it's the cream of the crop that are out there being diligent and, right. and going after it. Yeah. And, and so with you, that's what you see, right? right. Sure. It, it's not a lot of talk. It, it's diligence. But I think... Yeah, no, you're right. And, and, and everyone the way, says they want it. Yeah. Everyone wants the big yeah. houseboat, right? Yeah. But very few people want to put in the work or the time yeah. or the hustle to get to it. And, and I, will, I will throw in here that failures, uh, Rick Farr, 
and Eric Farr, there he's now at BYU. Rick Farr was a mentor of mine. He gave me the best statement I've ever heard, really. He said, and he taught this at BYU, but he said, success is overrated, and so is failure. Huh. That's so good. That's so powerful for me. When I lost, when I lost the business, no one wanted to ever have me on a radio show or a podcast or anything. You know, nobody wanted, you know, and I don't blame them. I'm quite successful now. Right. And, and now, oh, every, you know, hey, let's listen to him. Right. But a lot of my lessons were what I learned as failures. Oh. And my debt, I don't have debt. I, I mean, I, debt, I, I go, I don't care about money. I just want peace of mind. Yeah. That reminded me of a quote from Winston Churchill that said, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it's the courage to continue that counts. Yeah. Yeah. I had, a, I had a warehouse guy come in to me once, and great guy, very loyal fellow, and he and a couple other people came in, they go, we got a problem. And I go, what's the problem? He goes, we just caused a $70,000 error. You know, now this day and age, I guess that's nothing for anybody, but that was a lot of money to us. And I said, okay, there's four of us here. Who would have known about that? Nobody. I wouldn't have either. Okay. Okay. Don't do it again. <laughs> right. Don't do it again. Right. See ya. So true. Have it's awesome. Learn. Well, have to learn the hard I hope way God sometimes. works the same way. I mean, and I and I do and <laughs> and I do it again. But I still keep. There's hope. Yeah. And so, as you got to the point, so you're successful. You had the houseboat. What happened? Like, how did this continue? Well. Let me jump about twenty years. Okay, we're very we're, we're very we're, we're very diversified. We're making good money, so just I'm, one single business with you and Gary still. Yeah, yep, yeah, just one. Okay, I'm I'm investing in real estate, but sure. this time in cash. Okay, okay, I, I'm not no leveraging. Leverage. Not leveraging. I'm just buying some cash. I I built a small home in Alpine. Said I wouldn't build another bigger home till I paid cash. Yep. So I bought a farmland next to it. And then I don't know if you ever anybody has ever been to the Alpine Nativity. That's my farm. Yep. Oh, wow. uh, but I bought the land. Then later we were able to build a home, cash, you know. And it, I just I got some young intrapreneurs, I call them, that came into the business, and they're going, "Let's grow, let's grow, let's do this, this, this." Or uh, like the dot com, you know, era. The students at BYU are saying, "Don, we don't have to be profitable." <laughs> to make a ton of money. People are paying us for our ideas. And I remember for a year or two just being sick going, they're not gonna learn. Too bad if they all of a sudden get a ton of money. Right. That, that's sad. You know, that, that, then that process of why we're here on earth and everything, that growth. Um, <clears throat> so I forgot what I was making that point for. But anyway, after about 20 years, I would go to uh, Bonneville Equipment up on the freeway. And I have a farm, and uh, <clears throat> there was a fellow by about 18 years old called Chris Anderson. And Chris was a uh, go-getter. He uh, sold me a, a, a tractor, and then a, year, a couple of years later, sold me another one. But, but he had a 180 IQ. So, Sheesh. yeah, photographic memory. I think he's the only person ever graduate from Westminster College, putting himself through mostly scholarships. Perfect 4.0 in economics. But this guy, but listen, what kind of salesperson? You'd say, oh, he's a nerd. He wasn't a nerd. I'd go in there and he'd exceed my expectations. And then when we're done, he'd say, how's Matt doing? How's Mark doing? How's Jordy doing? I go, 
I don't even remember my kid's name. <laughs> you know? And he's going, he's, he's just so personable. So after about eight years, he goes, Don, can, can we go out back and I ask you a question? I have a chance to go to Stanford MBA school uh, or start my own business. I'd like to buy this business. I go, I'll go in with you. We couldn't do a deal. We couldn't negotiate the deal. He goes, well, I'll go to work for you. I go, oh, I really don't have anything for you. I have a national sales manager, Glenn Tanner, has been with me 15 years. We have lots of independent reps. I don't have this big sales force, you know. And he goes, Don, pay me a salary for a year, and then I'll work straight commission. You have a product that's called a sticky pad. It's no adhesive, no magnet. Sticks on your dash, and your cell phone sticks on it. That was one of our patented products. Alan Wheatley, uh, brilliant. <laughs> Alan Wheatley, I have brilliant so. product developers. And, uh, oh, before I go on to the sticky pad... <laughs> I've got to tell you another arrogant story of failure. I like those better. The kids like mine. Everybody likes mine more because of the failures, not because of my successes, because they think I was just lucky, which is true. So remember Sticky Pad? Hey, we remember Sticky Pad? Yeah, Thanks. of course. You real? Yeah. Okay, you'll remember too? Okay. Everybody used them okay. in their car dashes. So, remember, remember, hey, when bring it back hey, to it. Hey, remember yeah. the houseboat? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a Speedo on, but, <laughs> but I'm down the houseboat, enjoying life and everything. Company's going great. Yeah, we're running a little scared. Big company fellows. You heard of fellows with the, the uh, you go into Staples, the yellow boxes with the shredders and all that stuff. Big accessory company. Uh, they're huge. We were probably, this was early on, we were probably eight years in the business. Well, we made mouse mats for them too. So we not only made them for ourselves, we probably labeled to everybody. Right. Well, they came to us, said, hey, we'll buy you. We go, great. You know, terrific. They go, uh, uh, six million bucks. <laughs> six million bucks. <laughs> Three million apiece. Got to pay a little tax. Hey, that's a deal. It didn't work. Uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and a lot more tithing came because of that, too, to you, too. <laughs> so anyway, thank you, Lord. But this is great for the students. I love this for the students. So... They don't get to buy us. I think what they did, and it could be embellished. I don't think so. They went out and got their top MBA students, put them in a room and said, we want you to beat American covers handstands with mouse mats. Kind of like got to get a job as an orderly at the hospital. Right. So they get in a room and, all, and here I'm down at Lake Powell. <laughs> they come up with an idea that kicked our butts. They go, no one's put any look we put low company logos on mouse mats right but we never thought about putting licensing on mouse lights oh. like disney mm -hmm. disney mickey mouse mouse mats cindy crawford <laughs> oh sorry no, it wasn't Sydney. I, we have we have standards <laughs> we didn't even allow beer on <laughs> so anyway Sure enough, they got the Disney license and all our customers that loved us like crazy, we're best friends with our customers, said, sorry, we got to bring those in too. Our customers want Disney. So we scrambled, we got Star Wars, we got NBA, we got everything else, but we stayed number one, but that hurt because we were, you know, we were lollygagging a yeah. little bit, a little cocky, a little confident. Right. Anyway, back to the, I remembered it Sticky Pad because I told you Sticky Pad yeah. four times. I wrote it down. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Chris Anderson, Sticky Pad. Yeah, so he says, so Chris says, you know what? We got Sticky Pads. We're in computer accessories. 
why aren't those sticky pads in automotive stores? I said, because you can't sell one product into an automotive store. They have, a th they have hundreds of vendors, each having hundreds of products. Only way we could do it is sell it to someone else to sell. And he goes, give me, a give me a salary for a year and then I'll go straight commission. So I go to my two partners. They go, no way. We don't need him. I go, we need him. Okay, fine. You got a little uptight about this, Don? I don't, we don't want to deal with that. <laughs> we hired him. Within one year, he got that sticky pad in all automotive stores. Now, he's an entrepreneur. Entre he's an entrepreneur. He's creative. We're down at a trade show in Vegas, computer accessories, and he goes, I'm only getting a commission on the sticky pad. This isn't cutting it. I need something in the automotive industry. He says, I want to do car air fresheners. I go, nope. <laughs> I, I've taught for 10 years. That's a, that's a mature industry. No, we're not going into that. He goes, come on, Don. We got gel wrist rest. We could take that gel. We could take the sticky pad. I got my brilliant Alan Wheatley designer. He goes, he's right. We can create this new air freshener, the bug that will blow everybody away. They did it. We probably spent three or 400000 on it. Takes it to Walmart. Walmart buyers got five vendors they're buying from. Tree, Shell, different ones. Uh, and each one has about 20 products on the planogram. He takes it in and, and gives a bunch. And the buyer goes, Wow, that's cool. Where's that on the spectrum? That's pretty way over here from any of the platforms that are out there. It's probably halfway in between. We, long story short, we get it in there. Three months later, we do our research, not selling. It's awesome, not selling. Chris Anderson's a brilliant young man, terrific salesperson. He goes in, he goes, listen, because now the buyer looks bad to his boss. Right. Chris goes in, he goes, I think we're a little ahead of our time, you know, trying to make it sound better. <laughs> I think it's true, but uh, we try to be very truthful in everything we do. We really do. My dad said, if you key to selling is to sell something that sells itself. I'll, diversion, I'll ask young girls in class, <laughs> I'll ask young girls in class who wants to be a salesperson and young boys, and a third of them go, no way. I go, okay, so if your sister had diabetes and I had a cure for it, you probably wouldn't tell her, would you? She goes, sure I would. I go, that's the key to selling. Sell something that sells itself. You know, your restaurant. Okay, so anyway, where was I? The air freshener in the Walmart. Air freshener. So Walmart, so he asks, this turned my company from probably a valuation of 120 million to 360 million. This question. And our awesome 200 employees and many partners. By now, I'm kind of stepping out, and I've learned in entrepreneurship, many times entrepreneurs don't know when to get out of the way. I go, well, I'll get out of the way. I'm really good at getting out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make more money if I get out of the way, because I have limits. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I go, okay, they want to do this air freshener. So he asked the buyer. He said, is there anything that you're unhappy with, with the air fresheners in your category? buyer goes, thanks for asking. My buyers are 72% female. I've been telling the vendors to make me female air freshers and nobody does. He goes, see you later. He wow. comes back into the office. I'm ticked. I'm out 400 grand. This isn't selling. And he goes, hold on. Here's what he told me. 
are you serious? <laughs> we made all we all what we did is we went to New York, the best fragrance company in New York, said, What's the latest female fragrances? We took our packaging, we took the platforms that were already there and made that kind of air fresheners so that people would get it, made the packaging female, made the name female, sent pictures to him right away, virtuals. He goes, You nailed it. We became in eight years the largest car air freshener company in the country. <laughs> what? Refresh Thank you, your lavender car. cucumber. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Refresh your car, Bahama oh my driven, gosh. all our brands. I don't even use air fresheners. We're the largest oh, air I freshener do. company. Coconut all the way for me. Holy crap. Whoa. Now this is I give credit to my young entrepreneurs. I made sure they had the team. Speaking of which, I'm eccentric. But critical conversations in our society, we can't have them, can we? Nope. Not we have right to now. hate everybody's guts. I, I was a mayor for a little while out in Alpine to help out. And I go there, and the first meeting, I'm going, I, I'm used to being able to be the, the referee at my company. So nobody's getting personal attack for the stupid ideas. We're, we're interchanging, and we're loving it because nobody has the right idea, but we all come together, right? Yeah, we know that. Right. But, you know, politics, they don't know that. Oh, you don't agree with me? You hate me, don't you? Or I hate you. I just, I'm just sick of it because I'm telling the students, well, who is it? Uh, right, they wrote the book, Cru Crucial Conversations, a friend of mine. Oh. Right here in town. Why can't I think of the name? Yeah, it'll come to me in a minute. But he, he just comes and teaches our students and goes, you got to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. Doesn't right. mean you're an idiot, right? right? That right there, that phrase, though, is so important. Yes. The ability to disagree but not be disagreeable. Yes. So simple, but no one does it. In, in, my, in my first two years at Alpine City, I'd come home and I'd go, this stinks. Because if I say something, then, oh, you don't like us. Then I had, all of a sudden, we had business people, men and women on the council. We rocked it. We got so much done. And usually it was, you know, it was a, a, a group process. Yep. Well, anyway, Chris Anderson came back. And we have an incredible team of designers and production people and factories in china and everything so we came out with the female air fresheners and like i said over, then then what happened in about 2014 i'm executive director i'm not i'm let i'm letting him run the company so would now. you say that the air freshener was bigger than the mouse pad oh yeah yeah it was the air freshener business we were probably doing a hundred being doing only about 25 million in sales and air fresheners when we ended about 80 million in sales holy cow but but then what happened, and luckily for the, if there's anyone that isn't sound asleep, um, then what happened is in 2014, I had these young entrepreneurs, Chris and Rod Stewart and some other people that uh, they were getting some big time offers. I had made sure they owned stock. I made sure they were well taken care of, so it kind of hard for them to leave. And they loved the culture. We have a blast. Life is, business has got to be fun. So we're having a good time. But all of a sudden, he's getting big-time offers from big companies and uh, to go. And all of a sudden, I'm going, they're going, can't we start buying some other companies, air freshener companies? I go, no debt for me. <laughs> I go, sorry. 
And then I go, you know what? They've brought us to this point. So if they can get an investment banker or investment group to come in and take me and my other couple older partners halfway out, fine. Because now I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. I got, I'm fine. They, they screw the rest of the company. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I sure. mean, they're going to go out buy. They're going to go borrow money like crud. Right. And I go, Lord, I'm not borrowing money anymore. <laughs> so I step, I step down. They bring in big, uh, you know, I'm on the board, but they bring in a big group out of Florida that loved. They were a great partnership. They had great expertise where we didn't, and they were great mentors to Chris. And then they, we executed three more companies, California, uh, Sense and a whole bunch of, bought four more companies. Wow. That's how we came big. Wow. And then in 2016, uh, we sold that company to Energizer Corporation. It sold for about 360 million. It's up public. I don't. And you know what? People go, "Oh, you got 360." I teach the students. I go, "You know what? <laughs> it's possible I sold that company and didn't get a dime yep. if I owed 360 million. Someone has a huge house, huge car. Ask how much they owe on them." You know, right? Uh, and and so that was that. I've, I think uh, I did want to talk just a little bit about charities. For sure, I did want to point out that he just answered the mentor question what? over the last twenty minutes. Uh huh. He did. Like right that Chris Anderson story. I mean, right? He sold you tractors. That's and impressed you right on the head. And that's how you earned it. your trust. And so you, I, that's it. So what is it? It's so. What's funny? He is a walking example of the book, the go giver. I don't know if I'm 100%. He's Gus. He's the connector, Yep. but But he lives his law by provide value. And it's not a bad question to ask. Does it make money? It's the wrong first question. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But do I not get 10 times the return? Not only self. I mean, that's why I do it now. The kids at the end of the day go, you're really old, (laughs) but we love you. And I love them. And I, I wouldn't trade anything for that, this experience I'm having sure. with them. But financially, oh, man, I get tenfold back. Wow. I'm at BYU, and uh, then they call me up years ago and say, hey, we got a product that uh, stops sweating. People that suffer from hyperhidrosis, excessive sweating. A chemist up there, a professor, brilliant man, created a substance he could apply one night a week after showering and doesn't sweat for a week. It's called sweat block. Uh, my son-in-law, great hardworking marketing guy. We ended up paying them a royalty, not BYU, but the professor or whatever. And now it's, it's uh, $4 million in sales, sweat block. Wow. So, I mean, I mean, and Do they sell it by the gallon. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's actually, I That's mean, crazy. It, it was been on Amazon for number two, one or two antiperspirant for eight years, wow. you know, type of thing. Got a call not long ago. Uh, Dr. Coyman has invented a major breakthrough for arthritis, absolutely major. And so I'll pay them a royalty. Now we have it in Walgreens. We're now starting FDA studies on possibly uh, first product ever. Pop, not you know, stem shells still out there. Right. Mice and rats. The, if there is cartilage. In mice and rats, this is rebuilding cartilage. Wow. And so we're now, I, again, how, how all of a sudden I got these brilliant I'll sign scientists. up for those fa- testing phases if you need it. Yeah. If you need guinea pigs. Do you, do you have arthritis? Oh, my, my knees. Oh, my gosh. Toast. Make sure I'll give a bunch to Susie. And absolutely. It's, that would it's be a, amazing. You, it's not rheumatoid arthritis. It's osteoarthritis, joints, right. and so Yeah, it's unbelievable. Matter of fact, I got a text. I won't bring it out. But Sherry Young, Steve Young's mom, 
Oh boy, she she's she'll go on TV in a minute if I can get Steve to go. Hey, listen to my mom. <laughs> really? Yeah, but I can't afford that kind of that advertising. But oh, she's, she I want. She's eighty her. something years old. Have you? So I just finished his book like two weeks ago. Really? And the stories about her getting up in the stands and oh, really? Yelling at people like I oh, she is hilarious. She is amazing. Yeah, she is amazing. But I got a quote two weeks from her just saying. If you need any kind of endorsement, you know, you're on. Wow. But uh but but anyway, I, I did want to just touch about on on uh Absolutely Operation Smile. Okay. Um and again, I do want to emphasize when I when I get up with the students, sometimes I'll get a three-legged stool. And I stand on the three-legged stool and I'll say, "It's a wow product. It's got to be good. It's a wow team." And the third one's a lot of luck. I don't, I, you know, I got Josh James that's done it twice now and stuff, but most of us, we're very fortunate in our timing. Don't you guys think? For sure. I mean, I mean, if I went around again, I would, I think. Well, what's luck? It's when preparation meets opportunity. Exactly. So, and, and it, there's a lot of luck, but you have to be ready timing. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Serendipity, I think Mitt Romney's wife says serendipity, but I think it helps you not to get cocky. Yep. And well, that, to your point, you have to always run scared. Like as soon as you get yeah, comfortable or cocky, yeah. that's when things usually take a turn. And again, the Lord tells you to go to hell if you got too much pride. So what good is that? Yeah, like right. you said, you can't take it with you. Can't take it with you. So I've learned from some really good mentors that why wouldn't you? I, I spend way too much money on myself. There's no question. Okay, that's not an issue. <laughs> but after you have a little bit of money, what what? What is it? I mean, really? Returns, yeah. Right? So early on, 30 years ago, Operation Smile, uh, cleft lip, cleft palates, uh, doctors out of Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, I was playing pickleball in this late, not pickleball. <laughs> wasn't invented. It was, <laughs> I love pickleball. I got it's an indoor, so fun. I got an indoor pickleball. Oh, it's so St. George. Fun. Come on down. Um, but I'm playing uh, either racket or paddle ball, or rick, racquetball. And this guy, the locker room goes, hey, any chance you'd give my wife 100 bucks for a trip to uh, uh, Philippines? I go, what for? And she, he goes, well, she's a nurse. She gives two years, two weeks uh, every year of her four-week vacation to go to third world countries to operate on kids with cleft lip and palates. Wow. And so do doctors. And I go, well, I'm starting to make some money. I guess I can give 100 bucks. <laughs> So she had to raise 300 bucks, and so she raised it. So all of a sudden, I said to my wife, I go, what better thing is there? 45 minutes, you can change a child's life that's living in a hut that won't come out f- forever. Because the surgeon's working for free for two weeks. Uh, uh, Hershey Smiles here in town and different ones. And the nurses are working. So every dime we're giving them, it's like 250 bucks. I can change a child's life forever as if God was coming and giving a miracle. So I called up uh, Norfolk, Virginia, Bill. Uh, well, I didn't talk to Bill and Kathy McGee. They've become good friends, but called up and said, how can I help in Utah? They go, well, you need to talk to a Greg Care. I go, oh my gosh, Greg Care. I grew up in Centerville, member in eighth grade. He was my best friend's brother. <laughs> Sweetest kindness. I mean, no offense to plastic surgeons. Hey, you know, they have reason to be confident. And you obviously they haven't worked on my face. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, but this guy was sweet giving brother then, older brother, 
and I knew it had to be him. So I called up. I said, Greg, I haven't heard from you for 20 years. I hear you running up. Smile. He goes, Don, so great to hear from you. Yeah, I, I'm doing the surgery. I go on the surgeries and I'm fundraising. You can take over fundraising. So I became the chairman of uh, UpSmile here for about 30 years, been in the Philippines and different places. I'm bragging like crazy. That's not, that's not it. Talk about reward. I was an orderly. I'd be taking the kids back to their parents. I have greens on. They think I operated. <laughs> and I, yeah, I can't speak the language, so I just go. <laughs> <laughs> but there are, you know, but I scrutinize charities like I do businesses. Have you guys heard of uh, uh, Scott Harrison with the Charity Water? Um, oh, you got you got to read that book. Uh, it's called um, it's Charity Water. But anyway, unbelievable story of how he was in nightclubs and everything up to thirty women every night, drugs, bars, run a big casino thing in New York, and then finally his head he's. <laughs> He said his head's going crazy. He's going to a neurologist, and they're going, we don't know what's wrong with you. He goes, he, he, he goes to one of his nightclubs, kicks a bouncer out that was screwing up. That guy's at home, they found out, waiting at his house with a gun. He goes up north of Connecticut and goes, what can I do to change my life 180 degrees? He, he leaves all that and joins the good ship Mercy, goes in the third world countries. Right? You got to read it. What? Scott wow. Harrison. Scott Harrison. Okay. Uh, Charity Water and Thirst. Thirst is the name of the book. Okay. You've got to study that one. But anyway, there are so many cool charities. Engage Now Africa. That's one here. Uh, I think Steve Young's involved in well, that one. that's the thing. I mean, it's the principle of like stratospheric success, right? Abundance and scarcity. Like what you find is, what I've personally found is the more successful people are, the more they want to give back because they recognize the luck and how fortunate they are and wanting to, you know, help other people and give back and mentor. Like it's such a, I think it's such a critical piece of that. Like, I don't think you get that lasting success or at least the fulfillment of it until you learn to do that side of it. Well, yeah, I mean, but you can start with nothing. You don't have to be worth hundreds of millions of dollars, right? You can help very easily yeah. with a whole bunch of different ways. Like I sure. said, I'm sure I spend too much of myself, but yeah, the re I mean, I do it selfishly because all of a sudden, you know, a little child, the mother looks at you like, and it's interesting. My last daughter, my youngest daughter, we we lost one. What's daughter. her What's we, her name? Your youngest uh, Jasmine, daughter, Jasmine. I was we have just, two. That I are, was just testing you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we adopted two two girls at the uh, newborns, and we lost one of them. Uh -oh. But another one, uh, the other one, Jasmine. They're on the way to Disneyland. But uh, she called me with her first pregnancy, twelve weeks, got a a. Uh, Oh, X, not X-ray. Uh, what do you ultrasound. Call it? Ultrasound. Oh, yeah. You young guys know that stuff. <laughs> ultrasound, she goes, she's crying, and she says, Dad, my baby, they can tell, has a cleft lip and palate, 12 weeks wow. old in the womb. And I'm going, wait a minute, I've, I've been to Brazil, I've been to the Philippines, I've helped, I've done my own grandchild? Wow. And then talk about a tender mercy. In my life's been so many tender mercies and miracles, but... I go, oh my heck, Jasmine, Bill and Kathy McGee, the founders of Operation Smile, of the, the, you know, that does 8,000 surgeries a year throughout the world. I'm meeting them this afternoon at Park City in their son's house. It's an orthopedic surgeon. You're coming with me, you and your husband. Wow. I mean, I've had so many 
Tender so Mercies cool. and Miracles. But anyway, you guys have been so kind. You don't even have to play this one ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bull crap. Yeah, right. I want to know. I want them. We got to get them back in here because there is so much that we haven't unearthed yet. Uh-oh. I like how he just sprinkled mayor in there. There's a lot of stuff he just sprinkled. Yeah. Like, don't, yeah, let's sprinkle the mayor because after <laughs> six years, the second time around, I left after two years and quit. <laughs> and my granddaughter goes, they all like you because the mayor goes to their schools and stuff. Right. So they, you know, grandpa's cool. This little daughter, when I quit, because I wanted to, I, 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 anyway, there's a story there, yeah, and I shouldn't get in. I got law, I got sued for $100,000. Anyway, well, I'm oh. not going there. I get sued again. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I wanted to get to Dixie with the kids, but my granddaughter's sitting there, and she, you know, everyone's kind of hiding behind Grandpa quitting. And she's like nine, and she goes, Grandpa, and I go, yeah, honey. She goes, you're a quitter. <laughs> <laughs> So my kids keep me right grounded. (laughs) Well, Don, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, this is fun. And hopefully we need to have some type of follow-up. I have a new hero in the (laughs) ADHD world. (laughs) Hey, knuckles. Well, no, elbows. (laughs) Knuckles, it's okay. Wow. Incredible story. Uh, If Don can do it, you can do it. That's our phrase. Seriously. I mean, there's... No, it gives a lot of kids that aren't real brainy, really, right. some hope. For they sure. They go, hey, just get in there and... Everybody work. has something to bring to the table. Yeah, everyone does. And you just, you can't, you can't focus on what you don't have. You got to try to focus on what you do and yep. and take advantage of it somehow. And and again, Don, people would say, Don, the people he's was able to surround himself with, he said... Give him credit. For sure. But they are the ones who were just brilliant. And you get out of their way. And you get out of their way. And that's... Didn't bother me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yep. Wow. Thanks for coming. Thank you so so much. much.